You are listening to audio from the church at Junius Heights. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website, thechurchatjuniusheights.org. There a handful of new folks here, and that's great. For the people who said yes to the invitation, we're, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, a little bit of a flyover. So you, this, this church and what God's doing here is, uh, is funda- fundamentally unique. Uh, since 1911, there's been ministry, there's been a, a family of God that's been an outpost here doing gospel work, sharing the gospel, doing evangelism, living in communities since 1911. 1940, became a Baptist church, the building was built. And for the last 80 years, the church has been here. And the neighborhood has changed, and there are seasons in church, in churches all, all over the place. There's just seasons. And in the last few years, this church has needed help. There's been kind of two congregations that have blended together, two different cultures. There's a Spanish-speaking congregation that meets at 4.30 on Sundays that have, I don't know how long they have been a part of this church, but it, I don't know this place any, any, any different from having two different cultures. There's an original older Baptist church with a different, whole different group of people, and they are one family, They're the Junius Heights Baptist Church. And so while they have two different languages and different skin colors and different storylines from nationalities and backgrounds, They've been doing church here on the corner together for a long time. And the church is in a place where it needed help. And Pastor Sam, who's on staff here as well, grew up going to vacation Bible school here in the 50s. And he came by this place and saw that there, it needed help, that there was stained glass was broken, and it just seemed like it had fallen into disrepair. And he showed up, and it, the numbers were dwindling, and the money was dwindling, and God put it on a retired senior pastor, I got to jump in and do something. And so he just started praying and rallying people. And so now there are folks that come from West Plano. There are folks that live in the neighborhood. We moved from Bryan College Station, and there's a new church, a new family being blended between those three, the church at Junius Heights. And what God is doing here is so beautiful and so kingdom. What is possible when the believers are rallied around the scriptures in Jesus' name with the blood of Christ running through our veins, what is possible? God is extending something into this neighborhood, a a rescue mission that will drag people into eternal safety. it'll, It'll be a thing that floods living rooms and office buildings and parks all across this area with a love of Christ that is compelling and and, um, unrejectable. God is doing something that ushers in the kingdom of God and heaven on earth with us. And, And all of us have a history in church, some sort of history with church or in church. Um, And this is a new version for a lot of us. All of us have a storyline and a past where they've been in church someplace at some time or affected by the church. And I, and I have one too. I grew up in a Baptist church. They had great programs. My youth pastor was fantastic. Um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of training about grace, but there was a lot of training about how to live life as a Christian. And I learned what it was like to be like that. And, and I'm still great friends with that youth pastor. We still had, we had some community, but there was a, a certain amount of things that were fabulous and some things that were, were not fabulous about that church. I went to college and was kind of putting, I put church on hold for a little bit. Freshman year, anybody's in college, don't do that. Sophomores, don't do that. High school students, don't put church on hold when you get to college. I kind of put a little, little, little hold on it and was part of Baptist church, but ended up the last part of college at a, at a, at a Bible church that was primarily uh, theological less how to live your life, more how to understand the word of God. And I just got into theology and started studying that worldview and analysis and figuring that out. 
when I finished college, we moved to Dallas and joined a Bible church that kind of had a blend of both and was a part of Watermark at the very beginning of Watermark. And then kind of did Watermark with kind of one foot in the world, one foot out of the world, but was a member of that church, was a covenant member, joined and served in kids' ministry. And then kind of towards the end of that season, I had some opinions about church and how they were doing things. And so I started looking elsewhere, like church people seemed to do. And started, and I was at the Watermark, but I was listening to all the Village podcasts. I would listen to everything that Matt Chandler did, but I was a member of Watermark. I was just kind of doing that thing. And then um, God was started shifting my perspective of church, how it was supposed to be lived. I, I kept passing churches, leaving my house to get to these big, cool, hip churches that God is using in fantastic and tremendous ways, by the way. And I kept thinking, we should go to that one. There's 15 cars in the parking lot. We should, we should quit driving past the churches that have less great programs for, and, and start helping those churches. And so it started shifting. And then this is when I missed Pastor Sam. When I met Pastor Sam, Sam was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're doing parachurch. I just met you. You can use the building. First conversation, he was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're the kingdom of God, family of God. Come on in. And every other church in West Plano that I was asking, hey, we got 40 or 50 unchurched kids. Can we bring them into your building? They said, no, 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 competitive space. But Sam said yes. And God was putting these pieces of the puzzle together where I had a new understanding and a new thought of the, the genesis of mission, the source for supporting parachurches and partnership in the gospel was supposed to come from inside the church. And Sam painted that picture of, yeah, yeah, come on in. And so we were living life in that neighborhood, and so we joined that church. Sometimes Parkway Hills would have 300 people on Sunday. Sometimes they'd have 1,000. It wasn't a mega church, but it wasn't a little church. And we started serving, and we got on the greeting team, the parking team. And then around that time, where five years later, we're part of that family. And God started moving this calling to go plant a church in Bryan College Station. And the last five years, we were at a non-denominational, sort of Baptist-affiliated Bible church. And, and God had done some really great things and some really hard things happened in all of those places. Everyone comes into this space with this idea of church. And, and, and my hope for our church, whether whatever philosophy you come in with the background of, that this is how I, I feel like oversimplify and see this. The church is supposed to live life together on mission. The church is supposed to live life together on mission. We're led by the Spirit of God, anchored to the Word of God. And then we go out in the world and invite those people that are outside the family of God into the family that we live in. And while there are different nuances and denominational preferences and, and interpretations that are really important to see the differences, while there are differences, to simplify it all down, we're the family, new family of Jesus that invites people into the family. And one of my mentors from way back in the day that was at the First Baptist Church, he was telling me kind of in this life stage transition, he said, Travis, you need to hold your theology tightly and your denominational preferences loosely. Hold your, denomination, hold, your, hold your theology tight, denominational preferences loose, and so in light of that, we're talking about membership for the next three weeks. And I'd like to look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures say about what a church member is. So please turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Find verse 12 of chapter 12, and then when you get there, we're going to stand up and read God's word together um, in honor and expectation of him speaking to us. And so chapter 12, verse 12, and, and you can follow along. We don't have to read it out loud again. I, I just, whenever we stand, partly because the seats are uncomfortable, 
and partly because we're about to read the, the living and active word of God. And so follow along with me, if you will, starting in 12, going through 20. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, hey, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there is there are many parts, yet one body. Lord, would we read this and understand church membership based on your word rightly? Thank you that we can look to the scriptures and understand what you intended for us to be like together. Help us to be obedient and responsive to the truth that we see today in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. So way before... This whole idea of membership that we're doing, it's way before being a church member. It's probably more membership, it's probably more memberness. The quality of being a member versus a, a way to belong. Membership in churches all across the world can get distorted. It's probably less about membership and more about memberness. What does it mean to be a member? See, we are members, we are not members in a church. We're not members in a church, we're members of the church. We're not members in a church, we're members of, of the church, the one church of Jesus Christ. We're members of it, connected to it. It's not a club. It's not a, it's not a country. It's not a country dance. It's membership. It's not an action. It's not a group of interest that's social and special. Church membership is not an organization we can join up with that has some sort of philanthropic important thing that we agree with, that gets us a tax write-off. The church is not something that we join. Jesus did not perfectly incarnate and, and walk through life and sacrificially die on the cross, rise from the dead, give us his Holy Spirit for something that we can get from the junior league or the Rotary Club. Church membership is not about joining up and, and being a part. Church membership is about being the body. We are members of his body, as the church, living the life, reproducing the life that Jesus lived when he walked on the earth. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, red letters, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. As the body of Christ, we do as Jesus did together. There are three ways that the body of Christ is talked about in the scriptures his actual body that was taken down off the cross. When Jesus takes the bread at the Lord's Supper and institutes the Eucharist and the communion, when he takes the body and the bread and he breaks it, says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. The second way. And the third way the body of Christ is talked about in the scriptures is us. Let the weight of that sink in. That the third way in the Bible, the body of Christ is talked about, is us. 
that we are the hands and feet, the living representation of Christ on earth. We are as he was. We do what he did. We are the body of Christ. Way beyond joining. Membership is about who we are together, extending the kingdom of God. Way beyond joining membership, we are already members. Look at verse 12. Again, real quick, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. And skip to 16. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that that wouldn't make any less part of a body. Paul is saying, like, it's on purpose that you're different. It's on purpose you have different gifts and abilities. It's on purpose. You, in this body, are essential and indispensable. Each one of us that are here, that are part of the body, are essential and indispensable. We are necessary for the kingdom. The gifts and talents, the passions that are inside of you, that stir inside of you, they've been given to you for a unique and specific reason. It's not random that some of you are introverted and some of you are extroverted. It's not arbitrary that some of you are math wizards and grammar police. It's, it's, not, it's not just a, a, like a happenstance that some of us in here are seasoned, and some of us are less seasoned. Some of us have less gray and more gray. That are, some of us are young in youth group, and some of us are older. Some of us are really, really, really patient, and some of us are ready, fire, aim. We're different, and God has diversified his own characteristics among his children to create the body of Christ. He's diversified his nature in each one of us in different ways so that together we, we are him. Remember Genesis? Back in Genesis, in his image, he created them. We're all image bearers. We're different, but we bear the image of the living God, and we've got talents and gifts that were put inside of us to join it together to advance the kingdom. N.T. Wright says the binaries in Genesis are so important, heaven and earth, sea and dry land. It's all about God making complementary pairs, which are meant to work together. Some of us in here are male, and the rest of us are female. God has made us uniquely different so that we get together, reflect him. If any of you are good graphic designers, I looked for a long time for this visual image, and I think sermons will be used, and pastors will go, yes, this is what I was looking for. So if you can make this, go ahead and make this. A Mr. Potato Head with all eyes and one arm and one leg leaning up against a piece of wood. Just an all-eye Mr. Potato Head would be a really clear picture of what it would be if we were all the same. Mr. Potato Head could see everything but go nowhere. But instead, he fearfully and wonderfully made each one of you. Psalm 139, are indispensably, essentially different. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. It's deliberate craftsmanship. And I know in a day and age where everything is compared, right? Every, everything on social media is their vacation looks better than my vacation. Their new haircut looks better than my new haircut. Their new car is more expensive than my new car. Their family is bigger and look happier than my family. There's this constant comparative analysis where we don't remember that we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 says that we are his masterpiece. And if we'll have a right identity, when we read the scriptures, and then we'll, we'll play our role in the body a little more effectively. We are specifically made. 
how He chose you, verse 18, He's chosen to put you in here. We read in this text about membership that it's, it's, not, it's not just about joining, it's specific appointing and gifting, and it's not just generic gifting, it's spiritual gifting. Spiritual gifts could be 10,000 sermons. We don't have time to deep dive into all those, but I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that being a part of the body of Christ with your different skills and talents are spiritually deposited gifts. So let's look at a quick flyover of what that might be. Look at verse 4 of chapter 12. Really plainly, Paul says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit of the living God for the common good. It sounds like community. It sounds supernaturally empowered. That sounds like next level. Most churches, we don't live in that kind of real. Common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To the other, faith by the same Spirit. Another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now we're getting a little bit crazy and charismatic. We're reading words in the Bible that say gifts of healing. Prophecy, miracles. To another, the ability to distinguish, to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to, to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's not just skills or biology that makes it the body of Christ. In the diversity of Christ, it's the Holy Spirit. There are 20 or 25 designated spiritual gifts in the scriptures, depending on who you read and how you, they interpret the gifts. There are 20 or 25 different ones. And we can have any of those if we have the Holy Spirit. Different seasons and different times will give us those. Some of us are predetermined for some of those, like we kind of operate in those normally. I don't know if, we, if I, I sent a slide late. And so if I send a slide late and it doesn't go in, it's my fault, right? Exactly. But if we have a slide that shows all, the, all, of the, all of the different gifts, that's why you send your slides in early, people. That's why you send your slides in early. You don't do it at 1.30 in the morning, and you don't start doing it today when you get here, okay? There are 25 gifts, and there are four different passages that identify where those come from. And, and by the Holy Spirit... We operate in those. Sam operates in a really high gift of faith. If you know Sam, you just know it's all going to work out. Sam's like, it's going to be great. I love it. It's going to be so good. He's, he has a super high gift of faith. My wife walks in discernment like crazy. She, she can just tell when something's off in me, tell when something's good and God's in it. She can just tell. My grandmother has the gift of mercy. I don't understand how, how much grace and mercy she can extend to people who run up against her. And each one of us have been given a deposit of God's power-filled Holy Spirit that lets us do what Jesus did. When he walked on the earth and people were better because he was in their presence, when he put his hands on them, when he could read people's minds, we're seeing his life play out in the gifts of the Spirit that each one of us have a little bit of something that we don't even maybe know what it is yet. Do you know yours? would be a question. 
one of the things I want to do in membership when the folks who jump into our church and say, yeah, we're in, I'm going to send a spiritual gifts assessment test, a really simple, like, five-minute deal to answer 30 questions to give you an idea, how did God deposit his spirit within me, that how could I use that for the, the good of the body and the kingdom of God advancing? If you don't know your gifts, there's some youngie-ish people in here. If you don't know your gifts, uh, think about it like in superheroes. If you're into superhero movies, hey, I think that's fantastic. I kind of am too. We have a house divided on that front. But if you're into superhero movies, uh, it'd, be like, it'd be like being Spider-Man and never climbing a building, having spiritual gifts that you don't use. If you're not into movies like that, let's take it economically. It'd be like being a hundred billion millionaire and then never, ever, ever going to the bank to get money out to, to use it. Having spiritual gifts and not knowing what they are, not walking in them, it's kind of like that. God has given us his spirit, and we should be people who live power-filled, spirit guided lives, and when we come together, what should happen is this explosion of change and kingdom and heaven, just like it was when Jesus' body was present. Same, same for us. Membership. Membership is about being who God's already made you to be and living that out full speed. Verse 24 kind of halfway through it, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Kind of, kind of a, a, a last point from the text on membership. We are all interdependently connected to one another. Membership in the body of Christ is inter interdependently connected to one another. Inter interdependency pushes us towards unity. And when we're unified, we have community that is vibrant and powerful and unstoppable. If you know me, which many of you do, you would know that I have incredibly weak ankles, like unbelievably weak ankles. My ankles we're designed in like the wrong place in heaven where they have strong things in this room and weak things in that room and got put together. I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I feel like the Lord skipped ankle tendon strength when he made me because I don't know what it is. I can step on the smallest Lego and boom, hit the ground. My ankle just snaps over. It doesn't matter what it is. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Once a month, my ankle gets swollen up and fat because I stepped on a, a cricket and my ankle flipped over. I really have no idea what is. I mean, I've been on the ground multiple times, almost dropped my own kids because I just, my ankles just, they just snap. They're, they're really weak. And what's crazy is that when your ankle is broken and weak or it's like rolled over, then it affects everything else. Like my Achilles feels different when I run. The, and I, those of you who've like crossed into that 39, 40, 41 and on the way up threshold, you know what I'm talking about. Something little down here makes my neck hurt. Something little down low is like making things weird when you wake up in the morning. I walk slower, but my ankles, one of those things being off has affected my knee and my hip and my back. And so when I run, I can tell if my ankle's still sore that I can only go so far because it changes the way I walk. And every part of the body is interdependent. My pinky toe affects how I'm able to, to jump. And in the same way it is with the body of Christ. 
if one of us suffers, then the, the weight of that pulls on us in, in passive and in active ways. When one of us is rejoicing because God has been so great and generous, well, then we all feel a little bit of that in passive and active ways. The body is so interdependent on one another. And, and oftentimes, we look at our gifts and we, we look at kind of our life and go, well, this is my life. It's my spirituality. How common is that in our culture? Uh, well, I'm spiritual, but it's like my own private thing. No, no, no. The body of Christ was never designed to be independent of one another, but interdependent, where celebration can happen together and sorrow can happen together, and we're not alone. We need each other desperately, and whenever we recognize that, it anchors us together. And then we can accomplish wildly more together than we could apart. And, and Paul was admonishing the church in Corinth because they were a mess. This letter was writing to crazy divisions and confusion and independence and like all kinds of things were going on that we can't get into, all kinds of things. And God said, no, no, no. Through Paul, I want you to say, be unified by recognizing how I've given you gifts. One of the ways he's trying to re-engage that church is to point out that we're one body, interconnected, walking together, empowered together, and we need each other. A group of people who do this, the natural, it's a natural byproduct of the Holy Spirit and community. And we love, value, honor, care for one another. And the world looks at that and goes, that is so uncommon. I've never seen. I don't, I want that because I'm always alone. Henry, Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible, 1994, says divine wisdom has contrived and ordered things in this manner, that the members of the body, be, body should not be schismatics, divided from each other and acting upon separate interests, but well affected to each other, tenderly concerned for each other, having a fellow feeling of each other's griefs and a communion in each other's pleasures and joys. People who are older write way more eloquently than people that are younger, it seems like. Interconnected, fellow feeling of each other's gifts. Have you been a part of a church like that? Have you been a part of a community like that? Have you been a member of a body like that? If you have, bring that to us and share it. If you've not, come on. Let's try to do this together. Let's be the church that God put on earth that exploded and covered the whole earth. Let's be that church again here. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We can see a little bit of what that church looked like in just five verses in Acts chapter 2. So go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The address will be on the screen, but the Bible has all of the verses in it. And so if you don't have your Bible, you should bring that so we can go to that scripture space together. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. If you're there, say, I'm there. Fantastic. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Sounds like dinner around a table, huh? In community. Sounds like interconnected, interdependent, devoted. The scriptures were in the middle of their time together. And, and here's what happened. When verse 42 happens, then verse 43 happens. Verse 42 happens, they're together on mission, reading the scriptures 43, and awe came upon every soul. 
and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Lord, let it be so of our church. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and belongings like crazy people, just giving their money away freely like it didn't belong to them giving the proceeds to all that had need. And day by day, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number involuntarily. What happened was God started adding to their number day by day. Those were being saved. It didn't say they had really great strategic plans where they, their programs were effective and well thought out with concrete visions and strategies and deployed people in the right seat on the bus and then people got saved every day more and more. No, no, they lived life together around the word, and they broke the bread, and they prayed, and they sang. And then God, by his Holy Spirit, erupted out of them. What if membership at our church was like that? This is why we're doing membership in two weeks. This is why we're establishing a covenant community of people who have said, Yes, I agree to some theology. I agree that these things are true so that the, the body of Christ could be the body of Christ and we can know who those people are and call on those gifts and, and encourage and admonish and bring back into the fold when they wander because we're all going to wander a little bit or a lot. But if we're together, we won't be lost. This is why we're doing this, so that the glory of God can happen here like it did when Jesus showed up in Jerusalem. Wow. And we agree to some biblical truths, and we give our best, best shot to live those out, knowing that we can't accomplish anything without, the, anything without the grace of God. And when we do this, the email that we've sent out that has some basic theology and a button to click, when we do this, it's like, it's like wires and posts in a venue. It gives us some lattice work to grow up together so we can bear much fruit. That's the idea of membership. Remember NIST joining up in the church. And so you've seen this email slide. You've seen these points that talk about what a member at Junius Heights is. We trust that the following are true. Sam is going to take the first four bullets next week and talk about some basic fundamental theology. And, and today, I've got verse 5. You accept the responsibilities of church membership, committing to. And when you read language like, I accept the responsibilities, committing to, Read that as, this is the natural, obedient response to being a member of the body of Christ. Don't read that as law and expectations. Read that as, that's who I am, and so these are some things that will flow out of me. Faithfully gather corporately with our church family. That just means be present. That you commit to showing up and being here, not just here, but here, wherever here is with each other. That we're going to be present in Bible study and groups. We're going to be present in interpersonal relationships where we know one another. We're just going to be present. Confession, repentance, praying, mission, and then we have community. What we just read in Acts, we do that. You're just going to commit to be present. Be generous. Faithfully and personally towards God's church with tithes, offerings, time, talents. This is just that we'll be entrusted distributors, not owners. And it's, not, it's, it's more than money. When you read that, don't think, I have to tithe every month or else I'm not a member. This means it's more than money. That I'm going to be generous with my life to one another so that God's glory will radiate out. Serve the church and its mission using the gifts you've been given. And all these scripture, scripture references back this up. This is just using your, getting using the gifts you've been given. Identify those and get using those gifts. 
at your office, at your workplace, in your living room, in your parenting, in your friendships. Get using the gifts you've been given. Be accountable to the church and the gospel by continuing to grow as a disciple of Christ through personal Bible study and the practice of life together. Back to the back togethers and other days where we're going to be together in community. If you want to read about community, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together wrecked me. He started a community of pastors that he was training up to move into Nazi-occupied Germany and plant churches in the middle of the World War II. And this group of people that he tucked into this special seminary training, the book Life Together came out of that scene. We're designed to live together. But this bit about be accountable sometimes scares people. But when it comes to accountability, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without that. Eventually, I would love our church, based on how I read the scriptures, to have elders. And in the meantime, we're going to have different teams that do stewardship accountability and mission and ministry accountability. And, and me personally, some of the people who have kept me the most accountable my whole life are in this room, that I say unequivocally, whatever you think that is wrong or right about what's going on, I listen and, and follow suit. And so we're not going to ask you to do something that we're not going to do. We're not going to submit ourselves one to another and let the Holy Spirit and the family of God lead and teach and move. We're going to, I'm going to do that. We're going to do, this is what this is. And so when you read this, read, this is what it is to, to be a part of the body of Christ. And then Paul finishes this whole thing with chapter 13. Chapter 12, membership. Chapter 13 is the finish for 12. And the thing that binds it all together is love. Faith, hope, and love, verse 13, 13, but the greatest is love. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the first one, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. If we will operate with one another in love, there's our baseline. And so it's, it's member, yes, who you are, not something you're joining. And if you're not a member of the family of God yet, if you're here and you're like, I don't really know Jesus, well, here's your chance to have your life explode into purpose, meaning, power, community. And may God help us move into this space as a church in the years to come. Lord, <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you for the, just the way that we can wildly imagine what life might be if you decided to break loose and we, just, and we, were, we were able to, to live a little bit of that. Would you help us to imagine and then obey? Read, pray, and obey. Would we do that? And God, would you knit us together in a way that We'd have never thought possible, given our diversity and our history. Would you knit us together and help us to, to be the church, the body of Christ here? And we know that we cannot do that without you, but with you we can. And so, Father, we ask for your help. We, we believe that unless you build this house, we are vain laborers. But we believe you're building a house for your glory and your namesake. And so we're glad to be a part of it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.